Hello, I'm Stuart Clarkson and this is the Skipton Business Support Podcast from Skipton Bid and Robles Radio. As the lockdown ends and many businesses start to open up again or change their working practices, we've got a series of experts on hand to answer your questions and to provide some help and advice across a range of topics. In our last episode, we talked about stress and well-being in the workplace. Coming up later in the series, we'll look at managing finances, hospitality, tourism, marketing, business reinvention and more. This time we're talking HR and with us is Sarah Seastron, who's the Managing Director of Clockwork HR in Skipton. Hi Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hi. Well, it's been a really busy 12 months for businesses, however big or small they are, particularly when it comes to staffing issues. And now obviously people are coming back from furlough, there are going to be more HR challenges. So we'll try and kind of cover some of the issues over the next half hour or so. We've seen a lot of exceptional circumstances I suppose in the last year people's employment status isn't as guaranteed as they thought it might have been over a year ago. Yeah and there's there's been so much change as well when you think about it so lots of people have started working at home had to obviously factor in homeschooling and all those kind of things so yeah there's there's been a lot going on lot for both employers and employees at the end of the day and there's been a lot of help from the government um things like the furlough scheme self-employed grants it's been quite tricky for people to get their heads around some of the time what have businesses and employees that you work with thought of how that process has all worked yeah i mean when i reflect back to a a year ago march 2020 when we went into lockdown there was a panic to be honest because it's you know what do we do now and the conversations i was having then with my customers was around laying people off so laying staff off and obviously that's normally with um, with no pay so it's quite a difficult situation the government then introduced a furlough scheme which is a, was a fantastic scheme uh, absolutely brand new to this country it's American term apparently and we all had to learn very very quickly about it so the support there was great and and has always been great as we've gone along it's changed ever so slightly so at the very beginning you weren't allowed to work, so you were either on furlough or at work, um, and then they introduced flexi furlough. And they've also kept extending it as well, because, and I think that's really good, because even though we're coming out of lockdown and things are getting back to normal, there's still going to be a transition period for businesses. So it has been extended until the end of September, and contributions are expected from businesses from July onwards, which, to be honest, again, I think businesses have been very positive about and something that they've seen as a good thing. We've all had to learn very quickly. (laughs) And unfortunately, the Treasury direction in certain aspects was not very clear. So there was an element of interpretation as well to it. And because with employment law, you have have case law that goes with that. So cases that go through the, the, the tribunals, and then that sets the precedent. And we've not had any of those as well. So it's all, it was all been a massive learning curve for everybody. And obviously, as we mentioned, there's a lot of people been working at home as well. This stay-at-home message is going to end soon and people are going to be going back into the workplace. But there will be people who go, well, I've enjoyed working from home. Can't I just carry on doing that? Yeah, and I think from speaking to my customers and also speaking to um, employees as well, I think there's mixed views on this. So you've got some people who are absolutely chomping to get back into the office environment. We're we're human beings at the end of the day. We like that social interaction. And there's only so many things that you can do on Zoom. It's not quite the same. Sometimes you have connectivity problems or or things that crop up. So it, it isn't the same. But I do think a lot of businesses have looked to see 
how they operate and whether they maybe need that office environment or as big as office environment um, and maybe have a mixture so that some people have continued working from home with maybe an odd office day. But it's important, obviously, from a business to make sure that you maintain that contact within employees if they do continue to work from home. Because um, it also can be quite isolating. And I read something the other day that said there's a high percentage of employees who feel that working from home has affected their mental well-being. Maybe because there's no transition between home and work, that it's quite blurred, the lines. And also, having had a sometimes a, a series of Zoom meetings, they can be quite tiring and sort of wear you out. So I noticed that Google had a, I think they had a no meeting week or something like that, which I thought was a was was a really good idea. And you do have some companies that have had no screen days, um, which again is a really good idea. So I think there's mixed feelings about that. And, and from an employer's perspective, obviously, you know, they want to get people back in where they can, but it, it, it's deciding what the balance is about having too many people in and those kind of things. And, and employers have got health and safety rules that they need to follow and they need to stick to the COVID secure guidelines as well. Yeah, that's right. And employers have, have put massive steps in place to make sure, you know, they've looked at their business and, and made sure that they're safe. And there's been lots of guidance out there on protocols, what to follow, how to do things. But I think it's looking at as a business and what are the practical things that you can be doing. I know some businesses have introduced testing and, you know, testing their employees. And that has to be treated very carefully in terms of how often you're going to do it, what you're going to do with the results. If somebody's positive, then, you know, what does that mean? Because then obviously if they're off sick, are they going to get paid? So it's kind of looking at the whole holistic view of it really but many of them have really looked at their working practices how they do everything they've maybe had to operate in a different way I've had certain clients who've maybe had to offer takeaway that never have for example or look at the way that they do things in in the factory spacing people out more so yeah it's it's been interesting especially with the testing as well that's had an interesting element to it yeah uh, you mentioned the testing we've had some questions sent in which we'll get to more of them later on but one we've had from michael says he, he runs a small business uh, and an outbreak amongst his team when we're back into the workplace could be devastating to the viability of, of the company he says can i insist on regular testing every few days if i provide the testing kits can i force the staff to do the tests at this moment in time there's nothing that says that you can force employees to be tested um it's a difficult one because i can understand the impact on the business especially a small business if you've got a number of employees i recently sought some legal advice on this for somebody and at the moment the stance is that you you can't force people to be tested and i would be very very careful to go through the disciplinary process with them if somebody refuses either go through the disciplinary process or dismiss them um because i think that could put the business in a very difficult position i would say talk to the staff you know bring them on board uh, look at your covid protocols policies overall and look at testing as part of that and maybe why doesn't somebody want to be tested can it be something that they can resolve between them? Can they get around the situation? And think of the bigger picture. Um, and as I said before, because a lot of small businesses offer statutory sick pay, they don't necessarily offer anything more than that. So if you have to be off for two weeks on statutory sick pay, maybe think about are you going to pay your employees if they test positive and then they're off 
because they have to um, self-isolate. And also, are you going to include those figures for part of your sickness monitoring? So I think it's looking at the big picture. And also, why do you need to be tested as a, as a business? I know that um, there was a, a debate going on yesterday about care homes and whether they should be asked to um, you know, make testing mandatory. So why as a business, why do you need those tests? And, and what will that give you? So they're obviously doing it in schools now, but teachers and, and pupils are being tested. I feel like we're all kind of learning as we go along, you know, even the, the employment lawyers and everything that's going on in the tribunals at the moment. It will be interesting to see what case law comes out of all this. And you mentioned, obviously, you probably can't go down the disciplinary route for somebody not wanting to have a test. What about if they don't want to follow the rules you've put in place to keep the business secure, whether that's wearing PPE or you know keeping the distance from colleagues? If people are not following those rules that you've set out to try and maintain your health and safety law, can you discipline those people? Can you sack somebody if they're, if they're not kind of wearing a mask when they're supposed to be again i would talk to the employee and and find out more and you know from an employee's perspective maybe explain where they're coming from as well and as any kind of disciplinary process you would do the investigation piece so you would look to see what went on what happened why you know or ask all the open questions and then make a decision but i would say that if you that's probably a, a stronger reason to maybe go down the disciplinary route if somebody's not following the health and safety procedure as opposed to not having a test because they might have very good reasons for not wanting to have the test but it's all about understanding and communication and 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 I suppose, getting the facts on what's going on before making those decisions. And you talked about business reinvention. We're actually going to cover kind of reinventing your business in a later podcast. But in terms of the impact on staff, a lot might depend on contracts. How easy is it to say, I don't want you to work these days anymore. I want you to work these days instead. Spread out the times people are arriving in the morning and leaving so you've got fewer people in the office, those kind of things. Can you just say to people, I'm redoing your rota completely? I, I think the short answer to that is is no for a number of reasons because hours of work have probably been a contractual term so they've either been written down and stated contractually or if there's nothing written down it's maybe something that's happened over time so in the legal world they call it custom and practice where something has become the norm and it's the same as if you're wanting to change any kind of contractual term either written down or not Ideally, well, the first step would be to speak to the employees and and propose change and start a consultation with them. And that's really, really important. And also just to bring them along in the process, you kind of don't want to isolate your employees or, or make them feel not valued. And if there's a business reason for doing it, then, of course, you can have those conversations and consult with them and discuss any issues that they have with regards to the change. Um, but I wouldn't do it in the absence of consultation because you want to bring your employees along at the end of the day. But it all comes down to what does the business need? And if the business does need that, then start the consultation with the staff. And so many things going on for businesses, you know, in terms of trying to save their business and protect it for the long term. So how important and, and what kind of emphasis should business owners be putting on managing their team and the HR things and the staff well-being and all that kind of thing, you know, alongside everything else they've got to do at the moment? Yeah, that's really important because you have you might have, I've had some customers who've carried on very similar to how they were carrying on before really depending on what they're doing some that have completely changed a lot have a lot of employees who've been on furlough I would say bringing them back off furloughs 
really key to engage them again you know maybe have a return to work meeting with them a discussion with them bring them up to date what's gone on what's happened in the business and in particular on the mental health side as well some companies have what they call employee assisted programs where it's not necessarily a private medical scheme but they might have something that they can offer where they can ring a helpline number and speak to somebody independently and discuss that with them but I would really encourage communication and if you have you might have a hybrid group of people you might have some work in the office some working at home make sure that they're engaged have regular meetings I'm not saying have meetings for the sake of having meetings but have that connection with them, make them feel involved and bring everybody back together. And for the smaller companies who perhaps don't have a HR department or a HR person, you know, if it is just five or six people running a business together, there is support from people like you, consultants, but also off-the-shelf stuff that you can buy in from places, I suppose. Yes, yeah, that's true. And that mainly, usually in a business of that size, that usually falls down to the owner or the the MD of, of the business to do that. So much in the same way but you tend to find that in smaller businesses they know the team really well and they've probably had contact with them over this time anyway but I suppose it's just having that check of and and maybe diverting them to different areas of support and expertise if they do need that help and support. You're listening to the Business Support Podcast from Skips and Bid and Rumble Radio. Sarah Seastron is with us she's the Managing Director of Clockwork HR in Skipton. I want to talk about vaccinations now, um, Sarah. I saw something this week. I think the TUC was calling on employers to give staff paid time off to go and get a vaccination. And we're, we've got down to the kind of working age population now getting their vaccinations at the, un, uh, the kind of 50s. And it's going to drop down into the people in their 30s and 40s. If I get a, a, an appointment through, should I be arranging that at a time to fit around my work when I'm not supposed to be in work? Or should my employer be giving me time off to go and have that? Again, that's an interesting question and probably un- very uncharted uh, waters for everybody. Uh, the ACAS guidelines, ACAS being the government body that provide support, they talk about employers being flexible and allowing time off for employees to have the vaccines. As far as I'm aware, then employees are not legally entitled to be paid for, for time off and um, to have the vaccine but ACAS are encouraging businesses to pay staff if they take time off for the vaccine. And also think about, because I know I know some employees have had their vaccines and maybe not felt great the day after. Um, so maybe think about providing them support financially for that if they're maybe not feeling great, maybe, you know, for a couple of days after that. But again, it's about talking to your staff and, and knowing your staff and agreeing something and then being consistent as well. So try and be consistent throughout the business as to whether you're going to allow them time off and and pay them for time off. It all comes down to building good working relationships, I would say. And if you're talking to your employees and and doing that, then that's a positive thing. And yeah, I guess the awkward employees, you know, given a a choice of any time to go for the vaccine, might pick, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon when they work 10 till 6 rather than picking the appointment at half past 6 after work. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah, that is true. And sometimes I suppose it's a bit similar to having a, a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment. I write very much into policies on those that try and fit it in at, at either in your lunch or beginning of the day, end of the day. But sometimes you can't always do that. Yeah. I think there was a poll as well that's that's found 
a minority of companies, one in seven, have said they've already introduced a no-jab, no-job policy for recruitment if they're taking on new staff and, and even for some existing employees. Can an employer do that and say, if you've not been vaccinated, I'm not going to hire you or I don't want you working for me? Yeah, I mean, at the moment in time, there's there's no law to say that you must get the vaccine. So even if the employer wants them to get the vaccine and it's thinking big picture, there may be a reason why the employee doesn't want to get the vaccine. There might be a medical reason, uh, you know, religious reason. And you just have to be really careful that you don't discriminate because I think we have to be really careful that discrimination law doesn't come into it and you discriminate because of their age, disability, religion, uh, you know, there, there may be a really good reason as, as to why they don't want to do it. And as I said before, it, w- it will be really interesting this because I had a look at a few businesses, um, a large business that has made the headlines as well, and they're considering it for their new staff, but not for their current staff. And I, I really wouldn't consider it as making it a actual policy for your current staff. I think an interesting slant on it is that employees may want their colleagues to be vaccinated as well, and that might feel them more secure. So it's not always the employer that maybe wants it from the employees. They might feel, well, I feel more comfortable coming to work if my team have been vaccinated. So as far as I'm aware, there's no mandate vaccines should be compulsory. And just be really careful as a, as a business if you are introducing that. Because even though you think, well, I'm not discriminating, directly there may be an indirect response to that such as well you might say if you're not vaccinated you can't go on a particular site or you can't do a particular piece of work and again take that step back and think well why do we need vaccines as a business you know who is it trying to protect but I think it will be interesting to see how the law develops on that as time goes on. Yeah, and an uh, interesting question we've actually had sent through saying if all employees have been vaccinated and there's a need to have an in-person meeting for a half day in the office space that offers socially distanced meetings, can the company request that everybody comes in person? What if one employee says they're still shielding even though they've had the vaccine? Is it acceptable not to attend the meeting? So. You know, we're probably going to get to this stage mm. where businesses are requiring people to come into the office for a meeting. But if somebody says, well, I don't want to, it's about how we manage that process of some people not wanting to come in for it. Yeah. And the recent advice on shielding has uh, changed. Shielding for vulnerable employees actually comes to an end on the 1st of April. So the government have been very clear about that. But that doesn't still get away from the employee maybe not feeling 100% comfortable about coming into work for whatever reason that may be. They may not be extremely vulnerable themselves. They may uh, live with somebody who's extremely vulnerable. Again, I would talk to them, the employee's perspective, or from the employee's perspective, talk to your employer and maybe discuss, you know, what the reasons for not attending. Um, Can something be done about it? practically can you encourage them to come in and employment law I would say that's quite a reasonable request for a for a business to ask somebody to come in for a meeting and have all the COVID protocols in place but I would definitely speak to the employee first and just understand it and I can understand it from the employee's perspective as well but it's it's about making that judgment really probably going down the disciplinary route with somebody from not coming into a meeting is is not probably going to solve anything. Um, it's about understanding it first and seeing what you can do. It could be something very minor that they're wanting the business to do that will make them feel more comfortable to come in. 
to work to come into that meeting but talk to them first and you talked about people not being so well perhaps the day after they have their vaccine and obviously we've had people taking time off for self-isolation whether they've had symptoms or because they've been a contact of somebody sickness policies in general perhaps needed a, a bit of a review with everything that's going on and now we've got the prospect of long covid for people who have had covid and recovered and perhaps might not be up to the task of doing some of the jobs that they were doing before uh, where are mm. we at with with sickness and should be businesses be reviewing their sick policies about what those kind of things cover in light of everything that's happened yeah and the the long covid is an interesting one because under disability law, there are certain illnesses that come under this that would be auto- automatically classed as a disability, such as cancer or multiple sclerosis. But there are a lot of illnesses that don't come under that, but may fit the definition of disability. And I suppose long COVID could be one of them. The definition of, of disability being that it's uh, an illness that impacts on your day to day and something that you have longer term. I would deal with it in terms of how you would normally deal with somebody who is maybe off long-term sick. So get medical opinion, seek a doctor's report, seek an occupational health advisor report, talk to the employee again, find out what's going on with them. And in terms of, I suppose, a short-term illnesses from either it might be isolating from COVID or maybe having COVID or having your vaccination and maybe not feeling great after it, Maybe look at your sick pay for that and are you going to um, enhance that for them? I know there's been a bit of debate as to whether enhancing that would make people isolate more rather than just being on SFP. And I know that some companies do sickness monitoring. So they look at what people have had off sick and, and there's maybe certain trigger points in terms of number of days or number of absences. And are you maybe thinking about not including those, I think would probably be a good idea, really. So they maybe don't trigger certain stages of the procedures you go along. We've seen some fairly major high street names close their doors uh, for good because of the impact of the pandemic. A lot of smaller businesses locally as well. If a business is struggling, it needs to be liquidated. It needs to lay off significant numbers of staff. Is it now easier to do that and blame the circumstances of the pandemic or do companies needing to cut their workforce or shut completely still need to kind of follow all the the rules on redundancy still follow the rules that's the most important thing go through the redundancy process and look at whether what you're looking to do because the the definition of redundant role is you maybe don't need that role anymore or there's a reduction in the need for a particular role so still look at it in that way, Consult, start your consultation process, start your at-risk process and follow the process as you would do before. And include employees on furlough as well, because I know I've been asked a few times whether if employees on furlough, whether they should be included in the process, but they should be at the end of the day because they're still employed and they're still doing a particular role within the business when they come back as well. So that's really, really key. Um, we're asking for questions to be sent in for our experts across this podcast series you can submit one for a future topic including finance and hospitality marketing and tourism uh, go to rumbledradio.com forward slash skipped and bid podcasts uh, a question that's come in uh, says i'm pregnant and i'm worried i'll be made to go back when my workplace reopens in a few weeks last year during the first lockdown women who were pregnant were told to shield but there's no guidance on that can I insist on still working from home even though everybody goes back just because I'm pregnant yeah and I've recently looked into this for a a customer of mine and the 
most recent guidance says that a pregnant woman in particular over 28 weeks are high risk. So ideally, if they, they should be working from home, if they can't work from home, then you need to maybe consider putting them on furlough. But if they are on furlough under and for pregnancy reasons, then they need to be paid at 100%, not just at the 80%. But speak to your employer about it, speak to your, you know, your manager about it and, and discuss it with them. Um, so I suppose a short answer would be, ideally, you would work from home. But not all businesses can do that. And the the word furlough has come up quite a lot over the last 20 minutes or so. Um, we said the scheme has obviously been extended till September. It's still very complicated because there are different ways you can use it and you can have people still coming into work some days and being on furlough other days. How mm. can businesses kind of best manage that in, in terms of making sure they're following the rules to the letter? It's quite easy to accidentally, I suppose, have somebody in working but also be furloughed and lose track of who's doing what. Yeah, and um, in some ways it well, it's quite a, a reasonable, easy concept to understand. Um, but I think because it was so brand new and because the rules have changed and – uh, the guidelines were constantly changing as well. So I agree, it's quite hard to keep on top of that. I would say if you've got anything in particular that you're not sure about, that's a very specific question to do with furlough, whether it's to do with furlough with notice periods or furlough with pregnancy, furlough with, with long-term sick, then seek advice on it. That's the best thing to do. I thankfully have not been involved in dealing with the numbers on furlough Um because that wouldn't be my thing at all. So I do feel sorry for payroll departments who are trying to piece it together, in particularly when you've got people on flexi furlough doing different hours. Um, I do really feel for them. So, But as you probably know, from July, the businesses have to contribute 10%, and then August and September, they have to contribute 20%. And then at this moment in time, the scheme will, will end at the end of September. But we'll see whether they extend it. I don't think they will, but who knows? I didn't think that last time, but they did. <laughs> um, what do you think employers can learn from the last 12 months in terms of how they treat their workers, how they utilise things like remote working and virtual meetings? A lot of businesses might don't think they actually need an office anymore, as we said, but it's not always going to be the best way to run a business when you haven't got staff having that face-to-face -face contact and building a culture for your business and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I think the office environment for culture and just just picking up those nuances of body language or meeting with people and um, relationships and maybe if you're a new member of staff it must be quite hard to do that if you've just worked from home and not necessarily met your new team in 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 face to face I think from what I've seen from my customers they've really taken a step back and looked at the whole way of working whether it's process or how people do it where people do it I think they've saved a lot of time with not traveling etc and also being really adaptable in terms of families particularly in terms of homeschooling people being off people isolating they've really really had to look at all of that and introduce um, all the COVID safe working as well so I think some businesses have completely changed their way of working even down to who their customers are, um, you know, who their suppliers are. They've really looked at the whole package. And employees on the whole have tended to pull together, work together, and we've sort of negotiated our way through furlough, really. But as you say, unfortunately, they've also had to look at some businesses that have had to look at their internal procedures 
and also their staffing and deal with that, which is is not really nice for anybody. Um, you know, going through that redundancy process or, or losing your job. But yeah, it certainly made them take a step back to everything. And if anybody's looking for some HR support for their business, um, you can obviously help them with that. What what kind of things do you do? How do you support businesses? Yeah, it depends on, on what they need. So I, I write contracts of employment. I write policies, providing help through HR issues. So whether that's dealing with a difficult employee or um, difficult situation, maybe grievance, appeal, disciplinary, redundancy. So it, and it's whatever support they would want. So it could be just email support. It might be writing a letter for them, writing a policy for them. I do that on an ad hoc basis. So I've got some customers who I might do a piece of work for once a year. Um, and then I've got others who I work with on a retainer basis as well and who are regular customers. But it's small business work. And uh, you can find out more about what Sarah can offer you at clockworkhr.co.uk. Great to speak to you. Thank you, Sarah, for all your tips and advice. Most useful. Lovely. Thank you for having me. This was a podcast from Skipton Bid and Rumble's Radio. Future episodes, as we said, will cover topics including managing finances and banking, marketing, tourism, hospitality, business reinvention and all sorts of other things. You can submit a question at rumbledsradio.com forward slash Skipton Bid Podcasts and we'll put it to one of our experts next time round. Don't forget to subscribe via your podcast app to get the next episode as soon as it's released. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. 